the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Clock on this free-for-all Friday that's going to be a little bit packed for free-for-all phone calls, to be quite honest with you. But it is a Friday morning, the eighth morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2019. We now know what it, what is in the new Green uh, Deal. We now know why almost every prominent conservative pundit in the last 12 hours has described this as being some sort of middle to high school level um, fantasy, a, a, a paper written after being indoctrinated by the leftist, uh, the, the world's uh, uh, leftmost economics te- uh, teachers and professors. I mean, we are talk- uh, let me summarize it this way. Ben Shapiro, one of my favorite uh, pundits and uh, hosts and, uh, and, and authors to talk to, Ben Shapiro described it this way. Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez's Green New Deal proposal is one of the stupidest documents ever written. Literally. It looks like a parody. If Republicans and conservatives were going to try to embarrass Democrats and to try to draw up something loony that they might propose, this would be it. Except it's not a parody. They wrote it. And yesterday, they stood by it and they championed it. And joining us now to analyze and to break it down, somebody I know is going to have a field day with this, uh, Grover Nor- Norquist. He is the founder and the president of Americans for Tax Reform. He joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, Mr. Norquist, good to have you back on the air here in Cleveland, Ohio. How are you? Bob, great to be with you and with Cleveland. This set of proposals, this set of laws that they want to uh, inflict on all of us, is full of giggles because it's so ridiculous, but I think we should never forget that these people are as serious as a heart attack. This is their plan. I don't want to get overly dramatic, but everybody laughed at mine camp. Yeah. Read what they write. Believe what they say. They're telling you that they intend to use state power to change the United States and make it something out of the Middle Ages in terms of, of technology. And, and the reason the world got richer was we didn't have to work with human labor to do everything because we had energy. And this moves us back hundreds of years. That That's a very great point to start with. And there's so much ground to cover on this, Grover, in 10 minutes, so we'll try to do our best. But, but that's exactly it. It is a giant step backward in human evolution. It's a di- giant step backward in human technology. We are going to get rid of air travel. It will no longer be necessary because we can build, she says, high-speed rails, transatlantic high-speed rails. I'm assuming trans-Pacific high-speed rails as well to reach anywhere we could have re- we could have reached previously with um with air travel, with airplanes. Literally planes would disappear uh under this program uh that that they are proposing. Uh, Grover, I, I, first of all, are we cutting ourselves off from Hawaii or are we are they actually suggesting we can build rails between here and uh and uh our our island state of Hawaii? This is how insane it is. Air travel to disappear. I thought air travel was one of the greatest uh inventions and one of the greatest advancements in human technology and in hum- and in uh human involvement. 
It is amazing. It would dramatically increase the cost of what energy we would be allowed to have. They want to close. It also makes it clear this has absolutely nothing to do with anybody's theories of global warming. Nothing. Among the energies they ban is uh, uh, natural gas, which is one of the cleanest energies around, and nuclear power, which emits zero carbon dioxide molecules to, to, to bother or threaten people. Some 10 to 20 percent of America's uh, electric energy is made by nuclear power. They would ban that because some left-wing character defends their sensibilities. They told you we're going to do this because the world's going to end because of global warming, and then they stick in here, um, you know, welfare for everybody, healthcare for everybody, you know, all of the left-wing agenda, which I think has nothing to do with global warming at all, but it's good to know that they're finally admitting that global warming was an excuse for state power over your life, and they've got real good plans on how you're going to run your life. Al Gore has a very big house with lots of lights and uses more electricity than most of the rest of the county he lives in. He's going to continue to live that way. But peasants are going to go back towards the 13th century in terms and this is just mind-bogglingly dangerous. And, of course, the Democrats at Americans for Tax Reform on our website, and I just tweeted out at Governor Norton's the list, the list of all the Democrats who have endorsed this. Uh, it's just about everybody running for president, 50 congressmen, and uh, maybe 20 senators. This is not one crook's idea. This is the plan. This is the plan. Well, Grover, let me ask you this. We're talking to Grover Norquist, the founder and president of Americans for Tax Reform. Is that not actually a good development? What I mean by that is you're right. This isn't just one nut job. She's a nut. She 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 has air whistling between her ears. She's not smart. She's just, you know, she's repeating uh, Democrat indoctrination talking points, as I said, that she's gotten from professors and teachers. But it is all of them. Isn't this a good thing heading into 2020? They're not only going to have to say whether they endorse this or not, but if it goes from resolution to bill, they're going to have to vote on it. And it's going to be on the record. And if I'm President Trump, I am begging that this thing gets actually put on a bill in Congress so that every one of his potential opponents has to cast a yay or a nay on this. And given her popularity and the popularity of democratic socialism in this country right now, they're all going to vote yay on it. They're going to vote yay for 30, 40, 50 trillion dollars worth of infrastructure spending on all of this, the elimination of tens of millions of jobs, the elimination of all of the natural, all these things you and I just discussed. They're going to have to sign on, and and to me, that's just that's a, that's a, that's President Trump. Congratulations, you got four more years because nobody's going to support that. When Clinton ran as a moderate, but then governed as a leftist, the House and Senate was the Democrats lost the House and Senate in nineteen ninety four. When Obama ran, promising to be moderate on the whole host of issues, he was never going to raise any tax on anyone who earned less than two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. And, of course, he came in with the $800 billion stimulus corrupt spending and taxes on everybody. Uh, and the Democrats lost the House two years later and much of the Senate uh, in 2010. This time around, instead of waiting to win an election, talking about Russia or something, um, and hiding what they plan to do, this is like Dracula showing you the things when he's still five feet away. 
the whole point is not to let you see the things until they're up close and they've got you. They needed to win the 2020 election and then unveil this. And, and the Washington Post would say, well, America all agreed to this when they voted for so-and-so. Uh, I think this could cost them the House and the Senate, and we should never allow the Democrats to say that they aren't part of this unless they publicly denounced it and voted against it. Grover, what, what will the American people say to the part? You mentioned it in passing, welfare for all. And, and it said specifically in this uh, draft that was released yesterday that, that guaranteed income or guaranteed, um, oh, for goodness sakes, now I'm forgetting the language, but it was guaranteed income for those unable or unwilling to work. Sending a message to virtually everybody and all young people today, don't worry about going to college. Don't worry about uh, trying to find a trade. You know what? There's guaranteed income and a guaranteed living for everybody, whether you want to work or not. Um, taxpayers and, and job creators and so on and so forth cannot possibly be uh, expected to sit by and allow that to happen. Everybody cannot just sit down and, and stay at home and, and have their living paid for by those who are going out there and actually trying to help con- uh, contribute to the economy. Is that not a death knell in and of itself for this bill? Well, remember that every seemingly crazy idea in this package uh, has books written arguing for it over the last 50 years. The idea that welfare should be there for people, including people who say, I choose not to work, Mm -hmm. not I'm missing two legs or I'm sick or something, I choose not to work. Um, My aunt was at the University of Michigan in the 40s, 50s, and the social worker college there was explaining that, of course, welfare was available for everybody, whether or not they chose to work. This is not a new crazy idea. This is just something that these guys have been thinking up in universities and in the social welfare. I mean, if, you, if your job is giving out welfare, you want more customers, right? And <laughs> um, taxpayers are your customers, people get a welfare. So, yes, we should give welfare to everybody, even if they don't want to work. Uh, and by the way, in Massachusetts, they debate vacations for people on welfare. Um, people on welfare should have vacations. People who aren't working should have vacations. Uh, you have to pay for the vacation and get in down to Florida. But so you may, if this may be, if you've lived the same life, you've probably never heard some of these ideas, but I can assure you every one of them has a series of papers and academic papers and speeches given by guys at university and books written about every one of them. Uh, they have been thinking about this for a long time and they think they have a shot at the presidency and the Senate and they're just Musting after that power, and it's like the bad guy at the second to last scene of the James Bond movie where he tells James Bond what he's going to do to him, but then James <laughs> Bond figures, I think I'd not stick around for that, and so he gets untied and, and upends it. Don't tell that story to James Bond until he's dead, um, because he can change the future, and American voters can change the future. Get a copy of this manifesto of state power. Pack it up somewhere in the, in, uh, in the kitchen uh, counter. Uh, if you've got one of those, you've got a magnet that works on your uh, refrigerator. Mine doesn't for some reason. Uh, put it up there. Remember this. This is real. I think they're going to go into hyperdrive to say this never happened. Um, say they've been drinking heavily. Um, and, and nobody really agreed to this, and I don't want to talk about it. They're going to try and bury this so deep 
and we have to never, ever, ever let them bury this and pretend it didn't happen and that this is not the plan. What does it say, Grover Norquist, in uh, closing, that Nancy Pelosi is the same one on all of this? She yesterday was very, very cold to this. She threw shade, essentially, at uh, Cortez and Markey and those who were standing for this, basically some green thing or another. She basically is saying what you just said. She's like, this is not us. This is not our party. Those are a couple of the loons who just came in, uh, but this isn't us. She knows how dangerous this is for them. She's a good liar. This is the plan. She wants this. But she also knows you don't get to win the next election telling people ahead of time what you plan to do to them. And so she's mad that other people told the secret of what they're going to do because she thinks it gets in the way of her seizing power and implementing it. She's the smart one who wants to make to impose this on the American people. The other people hadn't thought it through, and they thought that if they told everybody what they wanted because... In college, everybody seemed to like this, and on CNN, everybody seems to like this. Um, they just forgot that the rest of the country gets to vote on killing their jobs, and most of them will vote no. One more thing before you go, Grover, because, you know, taxes is obviously in your wheelhouse at Americans for Tax Reform. So uh, she could raise the or they could raise the top marginal tax rates to 90 percent on, on all of the, the, the nation's richest earners. And and it still wouldn't even come close to touching the cost for all of this. So she said yesterday as a part right. of this that the Federal Reserve will just extend credit and that, quote, new public banks can be created to extend credit to. Because apparently money is just paper, and how hard can it be to print uh, you know new piece of paper? Kimberly, Kimberly uh, Strassel at the Washington or uh, Wall Street Journal uh, pointed this out. She literally has no idea where money comes from or what value it has. Uh, she doesn't, uh, and evidently she hasn't read history of inflation in Rome or Weimar Republic or Jimmy Carter's America, um, and and what happens when you print paper? Uh, Japan get a lot of infrastructure based on debt, uh, and they lost a whole decade of growth. They never fully recovered from uh, this big spending spree they had that was going to make them rich. It was like Obama. Obama's Democrats getting thrown out of office after two years. They kept doing it. Uh, and then working that through this system of getting all that bad investment out, very, very expensive. China has a similar problem. We should not walk down the road that Japan did and the road that China is also doing uh, of spending massive amounts of money on so-called infrastructure that doesn't actually make people more productive. All of the the uh, infrastructure spending that the Democrats have in this plan will make us poorer, not richer. These, these are not better roads to drive or safer uh, highways. Or This is all things to make it more difficult to travel, not easier, more difficult. Uh, it's negative infrastructure. That's very well said, uh, Grover. Uh, Grover Norquist, the founder and president of Americans for Tax Reform, is some really, really important insight. <laughs> All right, nine twenty-eight. Now the Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I'll get a phone call here in a second, but I need to play this part really uh, quickly if I can, just to display the hypocrisy and the lies, the deception being practiced by. Alexandria Ocasio Kelly Bundio Cortezo. Uh, yes, I threw in the Kelly Bundio. I swear to you, she is a real life incarnation of Kelly Bundy, the airheaded, uh, bubble brained bimbo, uh, on, uh, married with children who had an IQ of about seven. 
that's who uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is. I want you to listen very quickly to two short clips. First, an interview she did about her new Green Deal with NPR. Listen to what she says. Are you prepared to put on the table that, yes, actually, they're right. What this requires is massive government intervention. It does. It does. Yeah, I have no problem saying that. Does this require massive government intervention? Yes, it does. I have no problem saying that. That's Cortez to NPR. Now here's Cortez with Chuck Todd. So there's a couple of things. One is that uh, I think one one way that the right does try to mischaracterize uh, what we're doing as though it's like some kind of massive government takeover. (laughs) Wait a minute. The right is mischaracterizing it as a massive government takeover. Are you prepared to put on the table that... Yes, actually, they're right. What this requires is massive government intervention. It does. It does. Yeah, I have no problem saying that. Are you listening? This is the face slash voice slash mind of the future of the Democrat Party. A full-on, admitted, avowed, and proud socialist who said this is a massive government takeover, and I don't mind saying so, until she realizes that uh, that might be taken negatively, and then she denies it. What we're doing as though it's like some kind of massive government takeover. (laughs) I got to... I gotta process that for a moment. How about you listen to the news? I'll process that, then I'll come to your phone calls on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Attention, social justice warriors! If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Indeed, it is 935. Now the Bob France Authority continues on this free-for-all Friday. We'll get to your phone calls as quickly as I can, I promise. Uh, thanks to Grover Norquist, who joined us in the first half hour. We're going to talk to you, Dr. Ben Carson coming up in the next hour of the program. And before we talk to our next guest, I feel like I need to hear this on a loop just for a second if I can. This is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in two separate interviews yesterday. One way that the right does try to mischaracterize uh, what we're doing as as though it's like some kind of massive government takeover. Are you prepared to put on the table that, yes, actually, they're right. What this requires is massive government intervention. It does. It does. Yeah, I have no problem saying that. <laughs> One way that the right does try to mischaracterize uh, what we're doing as though it's like some kind of massive government takeover. Are you prepared to put on the table that, yes, actually, they're right. What this requires is massive government intervention. It does. It does. Yeah, I have no problem oh, saying that. Oh, Lordy. And I don't know what's worse, the fact that she can say to both of those different things uh, uh, on the same day or the fact that the media will not call her out for it. Chuck Todd sat there and listened to her say, this is the right mischaracterizing it as a massive government takeover, knowing full well she had said, yes, it requires massive government intervention. Chuck Todd was silent. All right, joining us now is one of... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's colleagues in the freshman class of Congress in the House of Representatives. And, of course, I speak of Anthony Gonzalez, who is Ohio's 16th congressional representative, district representative, rather. And, uh, of course, he has taken over the seat vacated by Congressman Jim Renacci. And, uh, Anthony Gonzalez, so good to have you on our program. Congressman, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. That was a uh, a hilarious but uh, sad intro that, <laughs> that you just played. <laughs> I mean, it's it's insane. You know, I mean, I I feel for guys like you. Um, uh, there are a lot of uh, 
there are a lot of new members of Congress who are doing your jobs. You know, you, you've got your head down, and you can tell me what you're doing. I'm not following you around on Capitol Hill, but, but it seems as though there's a lot of good people like you who are, you know, you got your head down, you're learning your ways around the Congress, you're learning your ways of the rules of the House, and so on and so forth, and you're doing your, uh, you're doing your due diligence here, and then you've got these people out there grabbing every camera they can and saying nutty things to draw attention to the new wave of Congress. These people say, Anthony, or excuse me, I'm so I called you Anthony for a while before you, you were oh, elected. You I don't mean That's to. Fine. I know, but I don't want to be disrespectful to your office. No, I, I really do mean to say, Congressman or, or Mr. Representative, but um, Mr. Gonzalez, you know they they uh, they are completely claiming that this is a new government. This is a new day, a new era. They they say that their election to Congress is proof that the American people are ready to abandon the principles upon which this nation was built, including you know our economic foundation of capitalism. And then there's guys like you, and I'm wondering, what are you thinking as they grab all of the attention here and are make, making these bold claims when you're there to kind of, I don't know, uh, defend what this country was built upon? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. So I, I guess I'd say two things. One, you know, as, as a member of Congress, I think we should strive to be objective and to push policies that uh, are objectively going to make the lives better of our constituents. Um, that Green New Deal is pie in the sky. I mean, it really is. Uh, I mean, you just read through that, and it's it's nuts. But um, So there's there's a part of me that feels that way. But then the other part is I think we have to be honest with ourselves about the fact that despite the fact that I read it and thought it was insane, um, there are a lot of people in the country who are buying it and who are reading it and saying this is, this is good policy, I want this. And so the challenge that we have, uh, and I think we need to take it seriously, is to present a compelling new argument, not a new argument, but we have to go back to our conservative principles and compel the nation and to, to bring people back to our side who might have read that and thought, yeah, that sounds good. I actually do think people are buying it, even though I, I think it's crazy. Uh, and we have to be articulating our conservative values in a way that's going to bring those people back. What I don't understand, Congressman, is um, how anybody, no matter how uh, far left your thinking is, could be buying the idea that we can get rid of all fossil fuels, which heat our homes, which run our vehicles, which uh, essentially are the core of our infrastructure, in 10 years. Uh, she said literally in this thing, all buildings would have to be destroyed and rebuilt as as uh, green energy efficient, uh, meaning every home, every every hospital, every uh, I mean, literally everything, or somehow retrofitted to be powered by wind or solar energy. Um, it's it's not just not practical, and it's not just pie in the sky. It's crayons on a wall from a five year old just writing stuff down that pops into their heads. I can't imagine people once they look at it very seriously think think this is possible. I certainly hope you're right, Bob. I mean, I really do. Um, you know, I think it. I do think it's telling that uh, my understanding is if you look at the, the four top kind of leaders on the on the presidential side for the Democrats all co-sponsored. You had Cory Booker co-sponsor, um, Elizabeth Warren co-sponsor, Kamala Harris co-sponsor, uh, Christian Gillibrand co-sponsor. I mean, these are United States senators running for president who are endorsing this platform. Uh, it's it's scary um, and, and just crazy to me. I, I, com- I agree completely with you. Um, I hope that as, you know, people read through it, uh, the American people read through it. Uh, they say, "Wow, this is this is just unrealistic and and uh, and, and nonsense." And not to mention the part about, again, uh, if we're getting rid of all fossil fuels, that's what airplanes run on. She literally has said that air travel will no longer be necessary. That she can- Air travel 
and yeah. uh, you know we got a, what was the thing about cows flatulating? I mean that was yeah, yeah. We need to find <laughs> <laughs> we got to stop <laughs> because it produces so much methane gas that is apparently uh, causing part of the global warming and the carbon problem. Uh, but but I mean the airplane part is just fascinating to me because I didn't realize until nine eleven, uh, and I'm maybe embarrassed to say this. I don't know if anybody really thinks about it. once nine eleven happened. Uh, congressman, and they ordered, uh, the president ordered all air travel, every plane get out of the sky. They, you know, grounded everything. Um, I, and then we started realizing how many thousands of planes are in the air at a given time. Thousands and thousands of planes in the air, tens of thousands at any given time. All of them were ordered to be grounded at that time. And that's when I realized, wow, there's that much air traffic going on over our heads. We don't realize that. So if we are to be able to continue to move throughout this country for business or pleasure or whatever, and we can't do it on airplanes, and we're going to do it all by high-speed rail, how can we build rails and and trains to replace thousands of airplanes? Uh, the the idea that we could somehow have tracks crisscrossing this country from every location to every other location, um, the way we could with air travel, is is... I mean, I'll be honest with you, Congressman, it's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for her and for them to suggest that that's something we could do. Uh, like I said, we are, uh, as one of my friends likes to say, we are in violent agreement on this. Um, I think, uh, you know, as said, you read that and it's like, I don't even know, it's almost science fiction when you go through it um, and see what's actually being proposed here. And so I, you know, I, I hope that uh, the American people will read through that. Uh, and hopefully the you mentioned Chuck Todd. Hopefully the folks in the media will take an honest look at it as well and push on uh, some of the more absurd uh, assumptions and proposals that were in there because it's it's yeah. really just crazy stuff. That's the operative word, absurd. You say science. You know, it's funny is when you say science fiction. Normally, we think of that as being leaps into the future. You know that you cannot imagine, and yet this is going in reverse. We're going to get rid of air travel, which was one of the most important uh, inventions and developments of technology in our in our uh, in our human history. We're going to get rid of that and go back to. I and mean, what are we going to do after the trains? Are we going to go back to steamships? Are we going to go back to to covered wagons? I mean, it's just very bizarre uh, to go backwards. Let's pivot now to one week from today, Congressman. Um, the new deadline. Is is up. Uh, the, we're going to have to fund the government again. Remember, they only signed, uh, you guys passed, and uh, the president signed a three-week spending bill to keep government operational while they figure out this border situation. It ends one week from today, next Friday the 15th. Uh, do you expect that there will be something you can vote on and pass to f- to uh, fund border security, including the construction of barriers, or are we facing another shutdown a week from now? Yeah, I sincerely hope that there's something. Um, you know, I, I will say this. I I believe uh, that the folks who are negotiating this right now uh, are doing it in good faith. I think they are um, the people in the room. Now, some of the rhetoric uh, from Speaker Pelosi suggests that maybe it's not as good a faith as as I'd hope. But my understanding is from the people in the room that there are real negotiations taking place. Um, I've spoken with with members uh, on the other side who acknowledge that having fencing uh, would be important and that it it does have a place in this discussion. Uh, So my, my hope is uh, that we can get past sort of the, the Speaker Pelosi rhetoric and get to the reality of what's happening on the border. Again, take an objective look uh, at where we need fencing. Uh, and I think the president's proposal was was spot on. He, you know, any proposal, in my opinion, is, is only as good as the process used to come to that proposal. Uh, and, you know, the, the way that the president approached this and the administration was they went and saw the border, they went and spoke to Border Patrol, the people who are actually securing our borders who have that task for our country. And they said, what do you need? Where, where can we be helpful? 
uh, and they were the ones who said, hey, it's this, you know, 234-mile stretch uh, here, here, and here where we need additional fencing. Here we need sensors. Here, You know, it was a very comprehensive, well-thought-out plan. Um, and so if we're doing anything other than that, uh, I want to hear why that is uh, and what process was used to come to a different decision because based on everything I know um, and the process that the president and the administration used, that's the right path forward. Um, so I'm hopeful that, that we can get there. Um, and I, I do believe that the people in the room are negotiating in good faith, which they were not doing uh, prior to reopening the government. Yeah, and I think there may be a number of Democrats uh, in the House that would be willing to negotiate, as you say, in good faith, were it not for the leader, uh, you know, the, the speaker, rather, because she has obviously doubled down on this, tripled down on this, not a nickel for the wall, and so on and so forth. I think a lot of them realize, look, this this fencing made sense uh, in 2013 when we voted to pass it. It made sense in 2006 when we voted to build hundreds of miles of it. It makes sense now. We just can't lose to the president. Do you feel that your colleagues on the other side are kind of trapped right now by leadership, by Pelosi and by the uh, Senate leader uh, on the other side, Chuck Schumer, that they really would like to do this because they really do believe in border security, but they just are stuck. We can't allow Trump to win. I think there's, that certainly applies for some members, um, you know, not, not to mention names, but there, there are some members who I think feel that way. And, you know, the one thing with, with Speaker Pelosi is she's one of actually the few Democrats who hasn't voted for fencing in her life, um, despite most of them have. The folks who've been here for a long time, most of them have voted for fencing at different uh, points in their careers. She hasn't, and so I think she's just always felt this way um, for whatever reason, and, uh, and so she's kind of dictating that to the rest of her caucus, but I don't think her caucus is there. I think, again, I think there are a lot of folks especially people throughout the Midwest and folks who have won kind of swing seats who say, wait a minute, no, we do need, we do need more fencing. Um, now they need Speaker Pelosi to, uh, you know, kind of allow them to, um, to negotiate that way. You know, Congress, we're talking to Congressman Anthony Gonzalez, who is a freshman, obviously. He is Ohio's 16th uh, Congressional District Representative. Um, good point. Uh, however, what she has said is that we, we, she will listen to the experts. We need to listen to the experts. Not to Donald Trump. He's not an expert. Listen to the experts. Well, 89%, and I don't know about you, but it, very rarely do 89% of the people in this country agree on, agree on anything. 89% of border security guards, Customs and Border Patrol members, say we need border or uh, we need barriers. We need walls. We cannot patrol this. I don't care if you give us drones. I don't care if you give us new technology of cameras and so on and so forth. We need physical things to stop them from coming across. If that's what the experts say, Congressman, I'm sold, right? I mean, I don't care what yeah. your politics are. If the the guys on the front, the guys on the front line are the ones that I think know best how to, how to how to actually stop uh, people from crossing that front line. How can we just not say, look, it's not a Trump thing, Madam Madam Speaker? You're not bowing to the president on this. If you give this, you said you'd listen to the leadership. Can somebody get that message to her? The leadership, meaning the the experts, rather, uh, uh, you know, up front, say this is what we need to stop and protect that uh, protect our border. Hundred percent. Like I said, I, I you know, unless you have can, it's going to be really hard to convince me personally. Um, unless you can find other experts, I don't know who is better qualified than the people on the border themselves who are tasked with securing our border. Who are saying, please give us the help we need. We need barriers. Um, for you to deny that, I think is just it, it's it's wrong. Um, and so I'm not sure, you know, what quote unquote experts she's consulting. But I, I'm with you. Uh, you know, if you want to understand what the conditions are on the ground, you go talk to the people who are on the ground. Um, and and those people 
uh, have been very clear. They have an incredibly difficult job. Uh, it's brutally difficult. Um, and these barriers will make it easier on them. And we have a responsibility to do that. It's central to having a strong legal immigration process, which has always been a strength of our country, uh, the legal immigration system. And so uh, we have to be able to enforce that uh, and make sure that it continues to be the case. I, uh, I, I don't want to hold your feet to the fire here and make you pledge something that you can't follow up on, but your initial thoughts. If uh, by Friday, one week from today, uh, there is uh, there are new spending bills drafted uh, by, by Democrat leadership and it does not include funding for the wall, will you, will you uh, vote yay? Very unlikely. I mean, I, okay. some, it's hard to even see a world where I would do that. I mean, look, Bob, we're talking about funding Homeland Security, protecting our homeland, securing our borders. Uh, it, that's my job. My job is to vote for that and to, do, to, to fight for policies that are going to uh, protect our border, keep the American people safe, uh, restore our immigration system. That's what I'm tasked to do. Uh, I believe that the barriers that have been presented are logical. They are what the people on the ground are, are asking for. Uh, and so um, I'm going to need to see that uh, in the bill in order to support it. Congressman Gonzalez, uh, Tuesday, I assume, was your first uh, State of the Union address in person? Yes, sir. I uh, I got to see last year's in person. I was a guest of your predecessor, uh, uh, Congressman Renacci, and it was an amazing experience. Can you tell me, especially as a sitting member of Congress, what that experience was like for you, and uh, and what was your uh, you know grade or your reaction to the president's speech? How did he do? You know, it, it was you've been there. It, it's a special uh, special event. Um, you know, I don't care who the president is or, or how you feel about him. You know, to, to be in that chamber when that's going on. Uh, is just it's remarkable, um, and so I was I was so proud to be there. Um, I believe that the president did a great job. I think he uh, what come uh, some of the highlights for me. Uh, number one, I think it was largely a unifying message. Uh, sure, there were some some policy points where we disagreed, but it was largely a unifying message. Uh, I believe uh, the celebration of some of the great Americans that we have in this country, pointing out uh, the the young lady who overcame. Uh, brain cancer, such a powerful moment to see the smile on her face and, and the strength and the courage that she has. Uh, the Auschwitz, or I'm sorry, the uh, the Holocaust survivors and then the World War II veterans being able to sit next to one another. Um, the lady who uh, who the president pardoned, uh, the First Step Act uh, gentleman. I mean, these are oh, the guy who, uh, the, the Tree of Life Synagogue uh, police officer. Oh, I yeah. Afterwards. I mean, just unbelievable. Uh, the courage and the strength of the American people that was on full display uh, throughout that speech, I just loved that, um, and it was it was very touching. I was seated directly below um, the first family and, and all those uh, those folks I just mentioned, and um, you could just see how proud they were uh, and how touched they were to be there. And, and I was proud uh, to represent uh, them, you know, in, in in my small way. And so, um, so that was just fantastic. And then I, I think uh, again, I think that the president painted a, a very compelling. Uh, narrative, and he challenged us in the right way. He had the exact right challenge, which is, Congress, are you going to embrace division and divides? Are you going to keep shooting at one another and all these crazy, you know, partisan bickering? Or are you going to put the priorities of the American people ahead of politics and start solving these problems? Let's get infrastructure done. Let's do prescription drugs. Let's get the cost of health care down. These are American challenges. Uh, and yes, we have partisan differences, but we should be able to move forward. And that, that is the challenge that we needed, quite frankly, because uh, since I've been here, it's, it's been just a lot of partisan squabbling. 
It's a great message, and I agree with you. It was very unifying for the most part. There were certainly things that the president wants to get done that the left does hate, but uh, but I thought he did his best to try to bridge that divide, uh, you know, considering where we are right now. You've got a lot of work to do between now and uh, Friday, hopefully to get the government funded and to get a border security wall funded as well. So I'll let you get back to that. Congressman, thank you so much for visiting with us. I'm really looking forward to doing this with you on a regular basis. Yes, thank you, Bob. Appreciate you having me. Thank you, sir. That's Congressman Anthony Gonzalez joining us on AM 1420 The Answer. It's 9.53 now. Let's get out and come back on AM 1420 The Answer. And this station. All right, 957 now, the Bob France Authority uh, on AM 1420, the answer. Let me squeeze in a phone call here before the top of the hour from Mark, who's been waiting very patiently. Hey, Mark, uh, in Fairview Park, you're on the air. Go ahead. Morning, Bob. Uh, I was just going to mention, as Trafficant used to say, uh, beam me up, Scotty. Uh, This idea that you're talking about is just, you know, it's just, I hate any attention even being given to it. You know, it's like you (laughs) said, it's like a a fifth grade project for him to come up with some uh, green project for fifth graders, you know. And I I can't even see it being worth the attention, you know, because anyhow, we only have 12 years. Remember that. That's and, right, before uh, the uh, before the earth is dead. No, but we have to pay attention to it, Mark, and I think that's a good thing. As I said to uh, Grover Norquist, I mean, get this all out there. I mean, honestly, this is this is automatic reelection for Trump. If these candidates, and right now, as Gonzalez said, you know, Warren, Gillibrand, Harris, and Booker, all four declared candidates, have said, I'm in. I'm all about this. Try running on this for the next two years and see how far that gets you. And to me, let's pay all the attention in the world to it. Let them shout it from the rooftops that they want to destroy air travel that they want to destroy your home and all other buildings and rebuild them with uh, uh with uh, clean energy renewable energy uh, uh sources uh that they want to dis- dismantle all internal combustion engines um think about all of that uh let them do it i say give them all the attention in the world mark because it'll it'll be an automatic uh, re-election for the president and you can get a, a cut rate bob on your own jet <laughs> yeah, you sure, sure, you sure could. I think those would be pretty easy to get come by uh, uh, at that point in time. Because See, but I mean, I'm think more, about. I'm more, I'm, oh, go, go ahead, ahead Bob. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, we're, I'm we, yeah, we got a delay. We got a delay in our signal here, so sometimes we're talking over each other. I apologize for that. Please continue. Yeah, I'm more concerned about whether uh, the governor there in uh, Virginia is going to figure out whether the picture is him or not. I might send him, uh, <laughs> mail him a big magnifying glass. You know, this is getting. But uh, I, I just want to say something. My I see the big threat as being this uh, uh, Pelosi. I've I, I watched her for a long time. I think she's a victim of some uh, severe mental tendencies or emotional disorder. Her father was the mayor of Baltimore, and maybe there's an underlying tendency to compete with her father or like Hillary. They're totally engaged in being the first woman speaker or the first woman uh, president and damn the issues, you know. But I've been paying attention to her. She, the only reason she's holding back, I believe, is just she wants to show up Trump, and she's going to be the boss. And that's it, Bob. I think, well, Mark, I appreciate the phone call. I think you make some great points. Uh, don't forget, coming up in about 20 minutes at 1020 this morning, we're going to talk to the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, former presidential candidate Dr. Ben Carson, will join us here on AM 1420, The Answer News Now.
The Bob France authorities back after this. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.